morning. It's good to see you as we begin to gather in on this first Sunday of Advent. It's amazing, isn't it? It's already here. The busy season is upon us, and I hope that in the midst of the hectic schedules that we are all going to be a part of this month, that you may have some time to pause, to pray, to reflect, and to worship. And we come together today on the first Sunday of Advent, recognizing that this season can get the best of us and can get ahead of us. And if we are to appreciate all the good gifts that God has for us, that is important for us to band together, to sing our songs of faith, to hear ancient words of wisdom, and to listen to what God may be wanting to say to us this season. So welcome. We are so glad that you are here this morning. If this is a first Sunday for you, uh, with us, we have friendship pads. We pass those as a way of getting to know each other. And we hope that you will write your name or at least find ways of introducing yourself to those nearby or those that you do not know. We are very glad for your presence here today. We welcome you. And also, you may have picked up on a liturgical change this season as opposed to past Advent celebrations. For if you are paying close attention, you will notice that in addition to the liturgical color of purple, there is a different color that we are also using today. And I wanted to first let you know that that use of this particular color is not trying to advocate any particular athletic team's <laughs> loyalty. But blue is now being used alongside of purple at Advent helping us distinguish Lent and the practice of Advent and allowing us to enter into the joy not only of repentance, but also of hope and the joy of the future. And so Advent colors are changing liturgically, adding blue to purple as a way for us to remember to lift up our hearts and our joy to what God is doing here among us. Now, in Lexington particularly, we are interested in what some other folks are doing, and we watch that with some level of interest this time of year, but let us, more importantly, be attentive to the God who has made us and loves us and calls us to worship. So I welcome you in the glad name of our Lord Jesus Christ, whose birth we anticipate, whose arrival is here every time we gather in worship, and whose life story can be our life story in our own ups and downs in our own endings and beginnings, in our own possibility of the hope of what God has still in store for us. Would you think about those things as we worship our God together?
Please join us in the call to Advent. The people who sat in darkness are preparing to receive a great light, awaiting in the shadows of doubt, despair, and death for the light to dawn. Praise be to God. God commanded the light to shine out of the darkness, to shine in our hearts and give light of the knowledge of God's glory in the face of Jesus Christ. May we meet anew this Jesus who enlightens every person with love, mercy, and forgiveness. Praise Let us pray. O God of light and love, as we gather this morning, we pray for your presence to be with us here in this place and also to be with us in our hopes beyond this moment, our hopes that your grace, mercy, and redemption will outshine the injustices of this world and bring wholeness to those in need. O God, as we journey through this Advent season, May we be awakened to the glory and the wonder that surrounds us all. We pray this in the name of the coming Christ. Amen. Now I invite you to pass the peace of Christ. Good morning. It is the time of Advent. It is a new season among us, the congregation of the Lord. And so um, we in the children's uh, department, I guess, of the atria, our Sunday schools, we would like to share with you some of the things that we do to prepare during the season of Advent. Um, over the course of these few weeks before Christmas. You will see um, a different prayer card here at the altar table every week. These prayer cards are part of how we worship every week in the atrium and during Advent, we have special prayer cards known as prophecy cards because these are um, parts of the prophets, um, sayings from the Old Testament that we use to prepare and to know more and to wonder about who Jesus is. Who is this Christ that is coming to us? And so we shall meditate together as a whole congregation in the way in which we, in the atrium with children as young as three and as old as 11, meditate upon the word of God.
And so again, I say, we are now in a season of Advent. Advent is a time of waiting. And we join the church around the world, waiting for the celebration of the Feast of Christmas. You know, hundreds of years before Jesus was born, the people were waiting for something special from God. God wanted to give the people a gift, the gift of Jesus. God wanted the people to know that Jesus was a gift. God shared his secret of the gift through people called the prophets. Do you know what a prophet is? What is a prophet? I wonder what they do. A prophet is a person who listens to God with his or her whole heart and speaks God's words to others. And so let's listen to the words of the prophet Isaiah. Today we have said and we have heard that the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. I wonder, what, it is, what is it like when it is dark? You may tell me out loud, that is perfectly fine. Is it scary? You may say it on the inside in your heart or in your mind. What is it like when it is dark? You're right, sometimes we can be afraid of the dark. And so what makes the dark less scary? You can tell me out loud. Lights, what kind of lights make it less scary? Flashlights and candles, strobe lights and disco lights, headlights, Christmas tree lights. Yes, and what is it like when there is a sudden light after it has been very dark? What's it like? Yeah. It is bright. Can you see well? Yeah, but can you see very well right away? Well, sometimes no. Sometimes it's too bright. What else? You know, the light can give us comfort. And it helps us to feel better sometimes. And so who is the great light? Do you know? Who else knows? Just raise your hand if you think you know. We'll wait while everyone else thinks about it. Who is the great light? Who is the great light, Adam? Jesus is. And so I wonder what God wanted us to know about Jesus. What did God want us to know about Jesus? I wonder what God wanted us to know about Jesus.
I invite you to sit with that question all throughout service. It's okay, you can just stare at the light. You know, words are fun too, but so is light. Um, I want to invite you to sit with that question throughout your days of Advent. I wonder what God wanted us to know about Jesus, the great light. As a response, Aaron is going to come up, and we're going to sing a small song with big words, wonderful things, um, and that is printed in your bulletin. I'll sing this through once and then invite you to join with me as we sing this through a couple of times together. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Sing with me. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Our Hebrew scripture reading for this morning comes from Jeremiah chapter 33. The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will fulfill the promise I made to the house of Israel and the house of Judah. In those days, at that time, I will cause a righteous branch to spring up for David, and he shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In those days, Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will live in safety. And this is the name by which it will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. For the word of God that works its way into us. Thanks be to God.
Amen. Let's pray again. Dear God, we know the light has come, and yet we tend sometimes to focus on the darkness. And we live in our fear, and we are afraid of the dark. And it's okay that we're afraid of the dark, but it's also important for us to intentionally look for the light and find the light and to live and to give as people of the light. So I pray, God, that you will continue to shine the light for us and that we will continue to look for it. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Please be seated.
As you are able, I invite you to stand with me as we now hear the gospel lesson. This day found in the gospel of Luke, the 21st chapter beginning in the 25th verse. As Jesus teaches. There will be signs in the sun, the moon, and the stars, and on the earth distress among nations confused by the roaring of the sea and the waves. People will faint from fear and foreboding of what is coming upon the world, for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now when these things begin to take place, stand up. Raise up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. Then he told them a parable. Look at the fig tree and all the trees. As soon as, the, as soon as they sprout leaves, you can see for yourselves and know that summer is already near. So also, when you see these things taking place, you know that the kingdom of God is near. Truly, I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Be on guard so that your hearts are not weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and the worries of this life. And that day catch you unexpectedly like a trap. For it will come upon all who live on the face of the whole earth. Be alert at all times, praying that you may have the strength to escape all these things that will take place and to stand before the Son of Man. For the gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. At first... This may sound like a very strange Advent text. It smacks of work, not leisure. A warning, more than an invitation. A forecast that portends difficulty, not celebration. A light that comes not to illuminate, but by way of a warning. A strange text indeed. But it does more accurately describe my weekend activities, pulling out the Advent celebrations and decorations. And pulling out is the right metaphor, for it requires a trip up into the attic and stooping down into the crawl space. And while in those often unlivable sections of the house, I engaged in a little bit of home maintenance changing out the air filters in the HVAC system. And if you've ever done that job, you know sometimes it can go really easy and sometimes it can be a little more difficult. The filter can get twisted and be a little more difficult to pry out. But prayer is helpful. The kind of prayer you can say on Saturday morning that's not fit for Sunday worship. And the job is done, and we can check off another thing on the wish list of Christmas. 
before we can sit down and say, let's just all enjoy the holidays, shall we? Well, in our text, we found in Luke, here in the 21st chapter, Jesus, the little baby whose birth we will celebrate in Bethlehem, is in the final countdown of his time upon the earth. His arrest and his death are imminent. Even the resurrection that we know is certain to follow is unknown by his followers and closest friends. Added to this level of uncertainty is the actual historical setting surrounding Luke when he wrote his gospel account. The story of Jesus is still fresh on their minds and their hearts and their memories, yet his visible return has been delayed, at least according to their timing and the nature of their expectations. And the world around them seems to be in just as much trouble as it was before when he walked upon the earth with them. And here they were to change the world, and the world just looks the way it always has. Was it all for nothing? And how can we remain faithful, they might ask, when things are not turning out as we had expected them to be? And so a little home maintenance on the soul is required. Clearing out the debris of our misconceptions before the fresh wind of the Spirit can come rushing through. It starts with an honest assessment of how we can be faithful to the Lord's calling even when things are not easy or convenient or quickly understood. For someone has suggested that the signs of today's trouble upon the earth are not limited to the sun and the moon and the stars but are blaring neon lights, blinking in panic with multicolored frenzy, making us starstruck with worry. As children of this nuclear age, we are increasingly frightened by our human potential to bring unspeakable havoc upon this planet. planet. We now know, I hope, what brings peace to the earth, but... We fear we are doing more harm than we are doing good. Yes, there has been great social progress in the past 2,000 years. But a progress for some, not all. The immigrant and refugee crisis that exists not only in our hemisphere, but one we see unfolding throughout the entire globe, will continue to grow more severe and challenging in the coming years. What is our response as followers of the Christ to the whole world? Environmental concerns are legitimate. There is no doubt the planet is getting warmer, causing more extreme weather events. Can you actually call it the storm of the century when it occurs every other year? or even on a more frequent basis. All these signs and so many more, all the way from the time of Jesus and his appearance upon the earth and his earthly ministry and all the history that has gone on since have been signs 
of this true possibility of our historic Christian teaching, this world will ultimately come to an end. And maybe we need a refresher course on this teaching, this belief, this expectation that has been carried by past generations of Christians throughout our time of being in faith. But also, if you're not quite ready for that possibility, can you at least admit with me how the nature of the world is always in some process of ending? All the things on the earth, declares the scriptures, will not last. Look at the fig tree, says Jesus. Before, during, and after his birth and death and resurrection, the trees still go through their seasons. There is a time for fruitfulness. There is a time for barrenness. And the God we worship, who is over and above all, and in all, is not deterred. And any perception of the depths of our problems or the delay in their solution is our problem. It's not God's problem. The grass withers and the flowers fade. The stock market goes up and the stock market goes down. Sometimes our group has a little more control and is in power. Sometimes our group is not. Empires rise and empires fall. But it is God who is over all, God who is above all, God alone who can be trusted. I think the question we are struggling with and struggle with continually is can I trust God in trouble as much as I hope to trust God in triumph? It's easy for me to believe God is good and all things are right on heaven and earth when things are easy for me. But can I enter into the trouble? Trouble that may occur in my life or the trouble that I find in the world and still trust in the faithfulness of a good and loving God. This warning in Luke 21 tells us it's possible to become so overwhelmed with the problems facing the world that we are prone to despair and desperation and depression, causing us to crave an escape and become susceptible to poor habits and crippling addictions. I've often thought and have experienced that the person who is struggling with addiction doesn't just love the world too much in a crass kind of interpretation, but loves the world so much that it pains them to see the world not measuring up to the world they hope to live in and the dissidence between the world that is hoped for and the world that they are experiencing is just too great and the pain so raw and the need for escape so palatable. Dissipation is the word of warning found in the Revised Standard Version printed in the bulletin. But I find that the King James Version might offer us a little more help. You might want to write it down. 1143, 
December 1st, Pastor Mark Johnson quotes from the King James Version of the Bible. It reads, Take heed to yourself, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting. That's not surfeiting, West Coast slang. No. Are you aware of what it means? Surfeiting? Can you guess? Dissipation refers to squandering. We must make the most of the time that we have. It's fleeting. We have to do all we can in the time that we're given. Dissipation. But, but surfeiting is overindulgence. I may need to pay heed to that Advent warning. Preparing for this month of Christmas celebrations. Overeating, overdrinking. Can we add overspending, overworrying, overindulging, overanxiety, overinvolved in so many things that we may miss the gospel when it actually comes and appears? That we are distracted by not the light of goodness, but the light of a society that never turns the light off and is always going. Open round the clock, seven days a week. There's people not gathered for worship this morning. They're across the street. They're getting the deals that all of you guys are passing up. There's no time for patience. No time for reflection. No time for silence. No time for wonder. No time for seeing the gospel when we're so busy and worried and distracted. Surfeiting. This week I was inspired by the story of a gospel drawing near. Jennifer Henry is a Canadian minister and social justice advocate who spoke of a gathering of mostly women but a few men who are working as missionaries in the Sudan, in Palestine, in the DRC, in Colombia, and the Philippines. All of them are peacemakers who see their task of peacemaking to work with specific attention of psychosocial support, accompaniment, and human rights training for women who have experienced violence in the places they lived. Violence of an intense nature. And each of them, in these different zip codes all over the world, witness how at different places, each of these women in such dire circumstances, are slowly gaining confidence. The confidence that leads them from being seen as a victim to a survivor. From being seen as a survivor to become also a human rights defender. A confidence that leads them to join with other women to help transform their community To make their place in which they live a place of greater fairness and equality. Small victories. But victories nevertheless. And the gospel draws near. This week in our Bible study, a pastoral colleague reminded me of another sign spoken of in the gospel of Luke. It's where shepherds are watching their sheep on a hillside. 
working through the tedium of a midnight shift, they are told they will see a sign. You remember it. You will see a sign wrapped in swaddling clubs and lying in a manger. They may have missed it. But they are commanded. That's right. Luke offers that in the imperative mood. The same way Luke offers the other imperatives to us in this text. Rise up. Raise your heads. Look at the fig tree. Be on your guard. Be alert. All commands. Added to the one given to the shepherds. Be not afraid. Be not afraid. Raise your head. Be on the alert. Watch for the light to appear in your darkness. And the gospel will draw near. It said during the colonial period in American history, there was an eclipse that caught members of the New England state in which they were meeting in the legislature off guard. They knew their Bibles. The sun had become darkened. What were they going to do? One legislator stood up and said, Mr. Speaker, if this is not the end of the world and we adjourn, we will appear to be fools. If it is the end of the world, I hope I will be found doing my duty. I move, sir. Let candles be brought into the session. What must we do? Light the candle. Bring on Advent's light. Even in the darkness. God is not finished yet. There are signs in the heavens. There are signs of the times. And there are signs of God's care and provision. God's love and hope in the future. A sign of God's presence. And a vulnerable little baby. God's living presence in the likes of us. Made of flesh and blood. God's hope. In a future far beyond our fears and our despair. The gospel is drawing near. I hope this Advent we don't miss it. Now let us stand with Advent joy as we sing together hymn 93. Lift up your heads, ye mighty gates. Let us stand and sing.
What a wonderful way we have begun this Advent season with wonder, with expectation, with joy, and with faith. We are glad to start this new year of the church's life together. We are glad that you are a part of it, and we hope you will be a part of all the different Advent activities that are offered this month, including tonight, where we will gather for a meal at 6 and then followed with a uh, service here in the sanctuary of uh, the carol and communion and candle service, which is a highlight for many of their whole year worshiping together. We hope it is a highlight of yours, and if it's not, that it might soon be and that you will be a part of this this evening. So come and gather at 6 if you would like to eat with us, probably 6.45-ish if you want to come for the service only, but you're welcome to both, and we hope that you may use that time to do that work. Also, there are crosses that have been uh, put together by Bob Durbin and uh, Bob Fair, and thank them for those. They are offering one per family for your tree or for any kind of decoration that you have in your home that you would like to have uh, as a memento of Christ's love to the world. Uh, for you to remember this season, and so they're going to be handing those out as you exit. So please make those make uh, make yourself available for those and grab that as you leave. I feel like I'm forgetting something, but maybe not. Am I forgetting something that you know? Um, but thank you. Children's play practice is after church, uh, not this Sunday, but the next. Uh, all of you are going to want to be here because if there's a sermon, it'll be very short. And our children will be leading us in worship with a play that they've been working on for many months. And uh, it's going to be a fantastic time together. And we hope you'll be a part of that. That's followed the next Sunday, the one right before Christmas. Yes, I know. It's coming. It's coming. I'm telling you guys, it's coming. Uh, with Lessons and Carols, another traditional highlight for us as a congregation featuring our choir and uh, Raleigh and Mark and their great gifts uh, for us. Um, so this is going to be a fantastic month together. Uh, please be a part of all of it as you can. Okay, I guess it's time for the benediction. I'm going to ask that we read this together. We will be reading this each Sunday of Advent as we prepare our hearts and minds for this season. And you are welcome to take this home as a prayer for you throughout each day. Perhaps posting it on a mirror or a dashboard so that you may offer this as a way of faith as you move through the next few days together. Let us pray together. Lord, may we live simply, justly, and devoutly as we await the appearing and glory of our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. He gave himself for us and so set us apart to be empowered to be his own people, doing his ongoing work in the world. For he lives in us forever, and the community of grace he established will never, ever end. In the name of the triune God. Amen. Uh...